Welcome everyone to Spirited Discussions. I am your host, Lachlan Watt, a passionate alcoholic and alcohol educator with years of experience in both the spirits and bar industries. Throughout this series, we are going to explore the history and production of some of our favorite vibations, and in each episode, I'll be joined by an incredibly experienced guest. Together, we will delve into a topic with all of the information that you need to understand why you enjoy what you're drinking, as well as some fun tidbits to share with your friends. I'm so looking forward to taking you on this journey to discover the wonderful world of alcohol. I reckon let's start off with a cheers. Yeah, cheers, brother. Well, today I'm joined by my good friend Joey Tai and we are going to be exploring gin, this spirit that the world is absolutely obsessed with at the moment. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, You are, well, you are my mentor in in this industry (laughs) and the reason I'm still in it to this day and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you and have worked with you in the past. So this is really exciting for me personally. <laughs> well, we'll start our episode like every other and I'll give a very quick 60 second history of gin. I'll get you to time me as well. All right. Are you sure you want to do this? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, never, I never make it in the 60 but seconds. I'm excited to do that. And can you please yeah, time me? Give me a hard time about it. I would try. I try to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let me know when you're ready. Ready to go? I. Well, the origin of gin starts with a tonic wine in the first century of the, well, common era, which is made from wine that's infused with juniper berries as a medicine. And that kind of starts to spread out around Europe. Yeah. But it doesn't really kind of develop into what we now know as a very spirit-led juniper spirit, juniper alcohol, I should say which is um, made by the Dutch in the 1600s. It's a malt spirit infused with juniper berries, and this is known as Geneva. Yeah. Now, during the Dutch and Portuguese War, they introduced that to the English, and it's known as Dutch Courage because they are doing uh, shots of this as they're trying to fight this war, and it gives them that courage and ambition. It's taken back to England. They start to produce it there, and it was cheaper to produce than beer, so people were just drunk all the time. Now... This slowly develops into what we now know as gin and there are images from the 1700s of mothers dropping babies in the street because the British were drunk all the time, leading to its name as Mother's Ruin. But in the last 20 years we've seen this absolute resurgence of this spirit. Keep going though. Absolute resurgence of this style of spirit and it's absolutely exploded around the world with many countries having almost thousands of brands of gin including Australia, where we've got uh, 400 distilleries currently producing gin. Yeah, I think 500 close to now. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Now, I think I'm going to start off by asking what was your first mm. interaction with gin? What was your first gin you ever tasted? I'll be honest, it's not that glamorous. It never <laughs> is. Is it okay? It never is. <laughs> so my first um, interaction with gin was, you know, Australian love their RTD in the early 2000s, yep. in my younger age, working in nightclub. Yeah. So I have this like, you know, RTD Gordon, I think is gin and tonic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like so fancy, everyone holding that bottle, you know, dancing away. <laughs> I'm just working at the VIP area. So I have a couple of those. But because I was like such a, you know, protege for drinking spirits. Yeah. So it doesn't, like my body definitely didn't process it well. But I'm. I noticed that I drink, you know, Jack Daniel and Coke. I feel better. Yeah. So it's that weird part. But then and then, the 
proper way that I drank with, um, you know, drink gin was when I start working at Golden Monkey. Yeah. It's like the first bar I ever get into and learn everything. Yeah, so there was like a huge um, Plymouth gin sort of brand, you know, house pouring it and it's like amazing. So I learned like a good gin and tonic from there. Yeah. Like, move on to, you know, martini and such. I mean, we are drinking a martini here yeah, today. It so is our, our favourite way to, to enjoy Absolutely. Gin. Timeless. It, it is, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I remember my first experience with gin. It actually wasn't until I moved to Melbourne because, like you, I'm not originally from this city. <laughs> I'm a little bit closer to home than you are. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I was like, mm, hang on, I'm yeah. from like the ocean. You're from Hong Kong and I'm from, <laughs> I'm from well, near Sydney. <laughs> near. <laughs> and, and my first interaction with this, this spirit was actually when I first moved to Melbourne, I went to, I finally got a job in a bar after maybe 16 months of trying. And I, I tried a local gin, which was a very young distillery at that time, which was Four Pillars. Oh. And that was the very first the experience. <laughs> yeah. That was the first experience I had with this spirit. And I absolutely loved it and started to see all the stuff that was happening around the world with yep. other, other companies and really got excited by it. Nice. What was your first, like, Gin drink, a gin tonic? Or? Gin, it was probably a gin and tonic. Yeah. And then quickly graduated to a, a Negroni. Wow, yeah. Mm. Definitely. Like you are in a much better generation than <laughs> I was starting out, like, you know, from RTD. Yeah. But, yeah, I just want to mention, you know, how crucial, though, to make a really good gin and tonic. Make a really good, a good quality gin, good quality tonic. And, like, lots of ice in that glass. And you know. at the very least... Lemon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, choice of fruit, you know. Depending on what, what gin is being yeah, used. But yeah. yeah. I think the um, there's a lot of people that I've encountered in my time in this industry that say they hate gin. Mm. And more often than not, I find it's actually they hate tonic, not gin itself. Yeah, actually it's so Because true. they've only ever had bad tonic. Yeah. And it doesn't. Really. T- bad tonic does not taste good. No, and a super diluted gin yeah. tonic is just like, ugh. Do yeah, not really turn you off. Exactly. And so more often than not, well, I'll find people that say they hate gin and you make them say a gin cocktail, whether it be something other than a gin tonic. Yeah. They'll enjoy that much more than they would have ever expected. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, most of the classic that, you know, back in trace back 1850s is all made with gin and people didn't even realize that. Exactly. It yeah, was all so. gin and whiskey. That was yeah, the classic cocktails of the time, right? So now, actually, seeing as we're on this topic, mm. what is your favorite gin cocktail? I'm assuming it's the martini, seeing as you're the person yeah, who taught me how to make it. Yeah, man. Like, you know, it's maybe sounds cliche, but I think martini just such a timeless classic cocktail can shine the gin, the product, and yep. can you know you can just drink more than one or two in the occasion. It just and it's definitely. Anytime cocktails, you know, in, in the day, at night, before dinner, you know, dinner party, catching up, finish a long shift, go exactly. to a bar, visit a friend, you know, can I please get a martini dry? Yes. yes. Just going to chew it down. But yeah. you can always, it's also something that's, uh, the martini is such an adjustable drink as well. There's no specific spec that makes it t- taste absolutely perfect. It can yeah. be super, fl- well, for lack of a better term, fluid. and you can adjust it constantly with different products different uh styles of martini it is absolutely 
It is a classic for a reason. Yeah, it's so simple, but just how do you call it? You just enjoy every drop of it, and then you just feel so soothing. Yeah, you know, in a sense, so warm and know. you know, yeah. It fixes every every problem of every day. I know we are talking about martini, just you know, so mm. that people are not getting the wrong idea about something. <laughs> <laughs> and are there any other gin cocktails that you really think people should look out for and try and try and get a hold of? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I think given that you know we're in a golden time of spirits, you know, like good spirit make really good cocktails. I always recommend my guests at the bar like to be adventurous. You know, just find out what. Their flavor profile is yeah. If you want to just start out to try something simple like a gin sour, a gin Collins, you know, a long drink is quite gin nice. Ricky is my yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. So just something start with refreshing citrus and then get into bittersweet like a Negroni. Yeah, there's so many variation with different you know vermouth and bitters. Um, yeah, martini and aviation is kind of fun too. Yeah, uh, yeah. one of my personal favorites is the London Calling, which is a modern classic. With uh, gin and fino sherry, and it's just bright and citrusy and incredible. It's just perfect. I still remember there's a time when we were used to work uh, working together, and then we head out to Black Pearl. Yeah, and you just get a run of London Collins. Yeah, and I was like. This is so delicious. It's <laughs> awesome. And then the next day you were like, oh, did I buy everyone drinks? I was like, yeah, you did. But yeah, yeah it was a great experience. That was, was actually so my first experience <laughs> at that bar. And it was, I, um, I definitely remember that that night. But yeah, that London Calling is just an incredible drink as well. Like I said, the Gin Ricky is one of my favorite cocktails of all time as well as the Martini. Absolutely. Now, um, we are actually enjoying a Martini now with... A locally made gin, yeah, which is called Charlatan. It's actually made by one of my good friends, uh, Corey. But the th- interesting thing about this is it's labelled as modern gin. Mm, yeah. Now there are all these different gin categories, and I right. want to try and help people understand what they're reading on the bottle and what that translates to as how this spirit is made. So you've got categories like London Dry Gin. Mm, yeah. We've got contemporary gins, which modern gin falls into that because that's not a definite style. Yeah. Then you've got mm-hmm. old Tom gin, slow gin, barrel aged gin. Let's kind of break that down. So, yeah. what is London dry gin? So, I I guess, like, let's just talk about where we are in Australia. Yeah. So, we are still fairly new, you know, craft spirit country. We refine refining our spirit production regulation. Yeah. So, you know, my understanding about London Dry Gin is when I was, you know, learning it from my mentor before me. So London Dry, like in regulation, is only apply in Europe. So you yeah. have to have definitely dominant juniper berry. Yeah. So that's a X amount of percentages you need to meet. Yeah. Nevertheless. And then you definitely need to have all the spice like angelica, nutmeg, um, clove, uh, cardamom, yeah, yeah, like all that is a London dry style recipe. Yeah. And then you will need to have definitely citrus, either lemon or orange. Yeah. So that is according to Europe style is London dry, dominant in juniper berry, and it's all have to be distilled, not just macerate. Like distilled yeah. during um, 
produce it during the distillation. It also needs to be single shot distillation. Yes, yes. Which means it needs to go through one run, not multiple different runs and blended. Yeah. And I believe it also has to be made from 96% neutral grain spirit. Yes, 96% neutral grain spirits. Also, you can't add any additional flavor afterwards. And it has to be all natural ingredients, right? No extracts or... Organic, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that is... They were arguing back then it's like fresh, but then no. Majority of the gene production is all dry botanicals because... Because it's really... All these botanicals are grown in seasons. Yes. We want to make them year out, year in, year out. Yeah. We need to have... Absolutely. And available to us all the time. And also the important part is the dry botanicals actually distill better. Yeah. Yeah, because they already contain like and seal their flavor in it. So when you hit through distillation, like it would be up to 75.8 degrees, you know, it's pretty high. So like, yeah, you just have to make sure it's dry botanicals get more flavor. So I mean, once you remove all the moisture from those botanicals, all that's left is that flavor, all the the sweetness, yeah, or absolutely. aromatics, yeah. or the oils. They're all there still. 100%. But that's all that's left. Yeah. So that we call it London Dry style. So when you chase back like Gordon, you know, Bombay and um, Tanqueray. Yeah. So those are like very distinctly in in a distance you can smell the juniper berry yeah. flavor. So that we call it London Dry style. But that doesn't have to be made in London. Yeah, that's it can be made like anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world, yeah. So, but the regulation, you know, with the botanical portion, that just apply on Euro, uh, European. Yeah, and, and then we have what contemporary. Uh, contemporary, which is basically gin that's made with juniper, but anything else and doesn't fit into that category, right? Doesn't fit in the London Dry style. Exactly. Yeah, you can say that. Like for example, Hendrix. Yeah. So we call it contemporary or new world. Yeah. But again, that doesn't have a regulation to, it's to just, it's not you regulated. know, have to prove it. Yeah, it's not regulated. But I guess when, you know, brand comes in with a new product, you know, they're they going to introduce you a new style of spirit. So then, hey, you know, we get um, rose petal, we get cucumber, you know, fresh ingredients, not dry. So yeah. how do we put our gene in certain category? Contemporary. Exactly. It's it's cool, I mean. And 90%, from what I understand, 90% of Australian gins are contemporary. Yeah. Actually, to that point, you worked at a gin distillery for a while producing, which was, I believe, Anther. Yes, Anther. Yep, and one (laughs) of our local heroes. And you developed uh, the Mooncake Gin. Yes. Which was a a Chinese New Year... uh, uh, Mid autumn, yeah. autumn festival, yes. Yeah. Yes. So that would be a contemporary gin. Yeah. Is that because it was it a single shot distillation? Was it? It was single shot distillation. Um, yeah, like we we talked about earlier, contemporary is mean anything out of the traditional. Yeah, right. So it's not London Dry and it's you get like new botanicals in it, so such a cream or like honey or maple, you know, yeah. in, in the mooncake gene cases, I'm not sure if, you know, people familiar with mooncake is um, something that most Asian people celebrate with mid-autumn festival or like the moon festival with. So it's a Asian pastry that is sweet and savory. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the inspiration about that gene. 
So, yeah, that is single shot and then we have some interesting quirky botanicals like red dates, dry red dates, lotus seed because they are the ingredients for mooncakes. So I didn't actually put the mooncake in the still. The no, still of course. You <laughs> created just, the flavour profile from yeah. the components that make up mooncake. Yeah, I just wondering, you know, what happened when they work with the traditional London dry recipe? So, yeah, it, it works. And there's so many exciting things happening in that realm. But yeah. we've also got other styles like Old Tom Gin. Absolutely. So what is Old Tom Gin? So Old Tom Gin, we trace back to Heyman Old Tom. So it's actually have sugar added. Yeah. Because like we, we mentioned in your history that juniper wine, juniper spirits, they're not necessarily that tasty back in the day. Yeah. So, you know, with the Old Tom style, you add a sugar, actually you just flip it up much better. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes they're barrel-aged, sometimes they're not, sometimes they add other components. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very odd category I've, I've found where everyone produces it slightly differently. Yeah, so I, I do want to say this though because we are in a, in a state that can be creative because we don't have the traditional rule regulated, restricted yeah. us. So like, and you know, in Australia you have so much more botanicals native yeah. So why, you know, people just get creative and I think it's, it's get that benefit that encouraging people to try something new, creating exactly. something new and then they will learn through how to balance in it and then the balance part is I found, you know, five years ago when I first came across with, you know, all this amazing uh, independent craft distiller making gin but they missing a little bit of the balance because, oh, you know, it's all natural native botanicals from South Australia, from Victoria, etc. But where's the balance? Yeah. Because we, we all grow up with like traditional London dry style, which is, yeah, juniper berry focus, spice, but you also get citrus. Yeah. And then it's kind of layers up balance. Exactly. First, we have this amazing forever classic cocktails we're still drinking. So I think my point is like with Australian, they experiencing the botanicals, they so excited to make it all, but then they have to learn how to balance it slowly. And we're starting to see that balance coming into Absolutely. the Australian industry, which is with uh, certain distilleries like like Four Pillars and uh, Never Never yeah. in South Australia. And we've got, got Patient Roof, Patient Wolf. Yeah, like Green Ants. Like it's yeah. all over Australia. It's, it's really exciting. So. And we're starting to see some really th- exciting things in that. And also that leads us into our next topic, which is, well, slow gin. Yeah. Because we've gin. also got all of these different gins that are made, well, in Australia but around the world mm. in that slow style but in different ways. So slow gin is made with slow berries, yep. right? So it's a London dry style that is then infused with slow berries. Yeah. And then so we now got all these other gin styles from around the world using that same process yep. to create that dark red fruit Yeah, fruit character. character. Yeah, absolutely. Now what we've got the, the Shiraz grape yeah. gins now coming around from around Australia, which was, I mean, originally championed by... Four pillars, but we've mm. got Shiraz gins coming from around yeah. Australia. Yeah. Cherry gins as yeah, well. Yeah, cherry gin and then there's like a lot of other fruit gins. Um, and pink gin. Pink gins as well. As well. Like, uh, butterfly pears gin, like the Pea blue flower, gin. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That changes colour. <laughs> like Yeah, like I say, um, 
with Sharajin, I think Popular did a great job about you know opening that path. Yeah. For you know, because Australia have so many incredible wineries, so we we have so much access to wine barrels and all that. So yeah, I think yeah, really really cool that they created that gene. And it was fresh. Whole Shiraz grapes, they macerate and then press with the the gin. Absolutely. And and it's like it, it's cool, like almost by vintage because every vintage will be different. Exactly. Yeah. So. And it's really exciting to see how it changes year to year and certain wineries that they work with year to year. Yeah. Um, one of our good friends, James, is now distilling there and he's doing some yes, of the same things. He yeah. just made an apple and rhubarb gin, I believe. Yeah, like popular just don't stop. They have they just, just keep moving. Yeah, so much like innovative flavor. It's really exciting to see, you know, they put Australian gin on the map. Like one of the distillers really put Australian gin on the map, you know, globally. Um, yeah. yeah, so I guess a lot of independent smaller distiller also like, you know, doing like incredible job as well. Like for example, you know, I used to work for Enfer yep. for the uh, Estee Distiller over two years. They make this amazing Tasmania black cherry gene. Yeah. You know, also work with Tasmanian, you know, um, ultra like independent for generations. So it's really, really cool. Um, and then we get poor Tom do strawberry gum gin as well. Like all that really. They also do just a strawberry gin, which is their pink gin. And yes. it's just purely, it, it's treated in a slow gin style where they just macerate with strawberries. Yeah. That is just so much we all have to try. <laughs> exactly. It's so exciting. Now we have kind of alluded to your, your experience distilling gin with Antho. How did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy playing around with different flavors and yeah I love it it yeah. was so fun I guess because you know we have the background of bartending you yeah. know so you 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 kind of know how put flavor profile together yeah so it's, for me it's the same thing but just a lot bigger scale one of the most exciting things for me was uh coming over to your house and tasting all the different iterations of mooncake gin yeah. I think at one point I had six glasses lined up of different test distillations yeah. and they all at you know, they're still at strength. So yeah. <laughs> like, water, lucky water. <laughs> 70, 71, 80% yeah. alcohol by volume. Yeah. Um, it was really fun because, you know, I have been in bartending for a good 18 years and yeah. then give me a different perspective as a maker to make a spirit from scratch. Yeah. You know, I, I have the understanding what our consumer usually like and then now I have a perspective you know, after working for production, knowing how producer perspective like. So we always want to create something new. And then during that process, you get to do a lot of, um, you know, R&D. It was really fun. And Enfer was, um, it's an independent producer, but then they give me a lot of capacity to be creative. Yeah, it was really interesting and in learning, you know, the stage. So when during distillation, especially for gin or vodka, you yep. get to really adjust the characteristic. You know, versus whiskey, you there's so much more stages to be involved to the and final it takes product. So much more time. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's like when I'm making a martini. That's how yeah. I feel. Okay, how much um, you know, for this particular vermouth I want to use for this particular gene and then how long I want to dilute it for a particular person. Yeah. It's like at the during the distillation is, okay, what strain I want to come up with this, you know, product and what is the layers of citrus, herbaceous character I wanted to create. So it just 
you know, I can just on and on about it. But for me, overall, it's just, it's still very creative. It's hard work, but it's very rewarding. So, well, I love like you it. mentioned, you've had a foot in both worlds, right? You're trying yeah. to create something for the consumer because you know how people think and what they want and how they want to drink. Yeah. But you also know how to produce and what's happening on this side of things. Yeah. And tr- it's really nice to have someone who can meet in the middle there where a Absolutely. lot of producers are producing because they want to. Yeah. They don't understand what's happening over here, how people drink like we do who've worked over the bar for yeah. a long time and seen how people treat the spirit and how they want to drink and what they react to. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, because of that, do you have certain botanicals that you feel like people want to see in their gins or yeah well in a selfish perspective i want to try things that no one have done it so like any quirky you know botanicals um but i think the interesting thing that i have experienced and also is always worked well is the australian lemon gum leaf it's just beautiful because you have citrus Flavor is, you know, we're talking about citrus fruits. Yeah. And we don't normally think about citrus herbaceous, you know, are you ingredients. Talking, are you talking about lemon gum or lemon myrtle? Lemon gum and lemon myrtle. Like, yeah. you know, the sort of plant-based yeah, yeah. citrus botanicals. So you also have cardamom, you know. Cardamom by itself uh, and coriander is just so earthy, right? So aromatic. But then when you have... um coriander seed cardamom and lemon myrtle also lemon gum together when you smell them together you just like there's a new yeah. side of citrus nooks coming up so i can't pick one of or like few botanicals i think it's what with it's all about explore you know yeah like just have go some around. fun with it when Absolutely. you're not when you're not restricted by the certain definitions yes. like london dry yeah then you can create like new things. So, yeah, so I, I, I can't tell you which botanical, but I enjoy working with lemon gum, lemon myrtle, tarragon. Also some um, grains of paradise. It's a pepper berry. It's tiny, tiny, like from South African. It's quite hard to get in Australia, yeah. but it's just incredible. It's just a very elegant spice. Yeah. Yeah, that just drew me, like just – Always remember that flavor. So I've heard of yeah. so many distilleries using grains of paradise. It uh, just and they use small amount because it just fills it out. And they're very expensive. Yeah, know. that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, these botanicals can be incredibly expensive, especially mm. for small distilleries, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially with Australia with the excise, but we're not going to go down that road. No, um, it's going to be a long conversation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. I mean, I, uh, what would be my favorite botan- mm. botanical? I'd say I've, I've really enjoyed things that have had kumquat in it. Yeah. Yeah, kumquat yeah. distills beautifully. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe it's a nostalgic thing for me. Same with strawberry gum. Yeah, strawberry, strawberry gum is a, a challenging one. Mm. So whoever makes a really good one, I, yeah, hands down. I've heard it. It's hard poor to work Tom. with. Yeah. But yeah, poor Tom's nailed it. I, I really think so. so yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm sure there's other brands work really well with it, just I haven't come across. So we're going to have to try more Lockie. Exactly. Yeah. We've just got to drink more gin. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Do you have any products that, well, distilleries or products that you think people should be looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always 
you know, try to look for the independent brand, like because yeah. they're small, but they always have some like really interesting um, production going on. So Brogan's Way uh, Distillery in Richmond, yeah. like they have this really nice, like is their standard citrus um, gin, and they have mango in it. It's just, oh, incredible! It's just really well balanced, make it really good. Um, either self side or a gin ricky by itself as well. And I have to say, um, Inoki, like the yeah. Japanese gene, I'm just so impressed how they forage everything themselves and created such a beautiful, elegant gene, well balanced. Yeah. So, I mean, just, there's yeah, genes from all really over the bright, world yeah. that are really exciting. Absolutely. Isle of Harris gin from Scotland. Yeah, that is an interesting one. With, um, it's a locally foraged sugar kelp. Right? Yes, and they, so this seaweed from the the absolutely. area, and they have dedicated diver to go and forage them. It's incredible. It's crazy. Absolutely incredible, it's awesome. and one of the most beautiful bottles you'll ever see. And they are another like small independent brand that in a remote island in Scotland. So and yeah, what absolutely. the far northwestern island of Scotland to I the know. point that it's not even Scotland anymore. Yeah. They almost exclusively speak Gaelic still to this day. Oh, man, I like to visit them. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and you've else? got, um, uh, what was my favorite Japanese gin? Uh, Kinoki is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then you've got, uh, well, one of our personal favorites is Monkey 47 from yes. Germany. Yes. Which so were independent good. now no longer Yeah. because they were so good that they got bought out. <laughs> Absolutely. They were incredible, though, I have to say. It's one of the best furrow balance gene. And it's incredible, incredible great spirit. Great package, yeah. Yeah. Um, Four Pillars from Melbourne and Port Tom's from Sydney. We've got all these incredible gins coming from all around the world nowadays. It's Absolutely. Just, um, that was one I was like on top of my head. We've got Thompson Brothers as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Thompson Brothers. Yeah. So they have this uh, uh, bergamot. Citrus Jean is amazing, yeah. They also have their core range that um, is actually used their motor barley to distill. Oh, incredible, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, there's, you know, around the world there's different grain spirits as a base for Jean. You know, there's also Kuro from Finan is incredible rye Jean, motor rye Jean is, yeah, fantastic. I was tasting that recently when I was over in London because oh, I met yeah. into someone who was uh, had a couple of bottles and I was tasting that. And I haven't seen it in years, actually, yeah. since you and I work together. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's all these people trying to relate back to the origin story of gin as well, but yeah. while trying to create this modern style of gin with all these new botanicals, like yeah. the Charlton we're drinking here with apple, pink peppercorn and yeah. macadamia. It's delicious. We've got in a people going back the other way trying to use grain spirit but yeah. not neutral grain spirit which has lost most of its flavor mm. and texture we've got people trying to go back to the origins of Geneva, which is using malt spirit big yeah. juniper bases like thompson brothers like cairo yeah. with rye instead of malted barley and then all these people trying to do that which is yeah. really exciting we've got one here in melbourne which is little lawn distillery oh yeah that's right yeah Can and it's all that? from a malted barley base yeah, that's exciting. And I haven't got to try them. I need to try some. You really need to. And it's a great little place. Uh, Brad, who owns it, is just this really beautiful, humble person. And he yeah. makes Geneva uh, in the heart of Melbourne CBD, which is really, really beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah, it's really exciting to see how this industry is built. Yep. 
over the last, what, 20, 30 years? Yeah, like, you know, when everyone was talking about Australian whiskey and then that is, I think, is the opening for people to realise, okay, you know, we, we get the opportunity to make some Australian spirits. The quickest one, gin, vodka, you know. I mean, gin is the biggest spirit in the world currently. Yeah, and it's it's great and because it's easy to consume and it's a lot more efficient in production and it's great to different region, different country have their own representative about gin. So, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. All right, I think we might finish up here, but I've got four really rapid-fire questions for you. And I just okay. want a very quick answer. Let's go. You ready? No, but no. okay. <laughs> let's go, let's go. All right, what was the last drink you really enjoyed? The last drink I really enjoyed? Yeah. So it doesn't mean that it's the, last drink, just the last drink I really enjoyed. The one that you really sat there and loved it. Martini. A martini. <laughs> Where Sorry. was it from? <laughs> from the Elysian. Yeah. Well, it's a whiskey bar, but make damn great martini like the whiskey element. Yeah, I used to work with Yao and Kelvin and I know. I know, I'm and very you, familiar. you still make me the best smoky martini. That's good. You know my combo. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Well, you told me. So, um, all right. So, next question. What is your shot of choice? Well, straight for move where when, you know, at a bar, like easy. Yep. But uh, usually after dinner, after dinner yeah. a rye whiskey. Give a bit yeah. of punch, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, what was the first drink you ever had? Oh, my God. It's like those, you know, shame, pleasure thing. Bailey's on the rocks. <laughs> that's incredible. Was, yeah. That was my 18th birthday yeah, that's in Hong incredible. Kong. So, yeah, don't that's, judge that's me. That's a good one. Now, our final question. What is yours? Not Am I allowed it? Oh, no. okay. Damn. <laughs> um, you can tell me after this. Everyone's heard it already. A I haven't. Times. I no. haven't. But okay, okay, okay. Now, last question. <laughs> Often called the bartender's handshake, Fernet Brunker. Mm-hmm. Now, do you actually enjoy it? Yeah. Or do you just tell people you do? No, I actually like it. I only like it when it's cold, though. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, I absolutely love Fernet Brunker. This, can I say, like, this person taught me how to drink Fernie Blanca. Mm-hmm. It's Logan. Is this, like, Kiwi bar manager uh, back in the day for Murma. And that's how much he drank and he can fill the whole roof with 30 empty Fernie Blanca bottles. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like if he saw you come up, say hi, have a break. There you go, Joey. Like, <laughs> I was like, what's this? Like, I was, like, fresh off the bow from bartending. It's like, oh, it's amazing stuff. So... And I drank it. It's not even cold at time. I was like, oh, okay. It can be incredibly challenging and so many people hate it. But there's so many pe- uh, people out there who I genuinely believe but you don't gr- enjoy it. They yeah. just tell people you they do. You grow with it, I feel yeah. like. I grow with it because, you know, the people I respect and liking is drinking it. So, yeah, I'm going to start drinking it. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's thank been an absolute pleasure. Me. I can't wait to share another martini with you apart from the one we just had. Yeah, absolutely, bro. We need to catch up. Thank yeah. you for having me. This It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you again. All right. Great. Talk to you soon. I Martini. <laughs> thank you for joining me on another episode of Spirited Discussions. I hope you had as much fun as I have and have been able to take away something you didn't know. 
Don't forget to like, subscribe and share with your friends and please join me next time on Spirited Discussions. Mm-hmm.